I did want to go on, mate, but it was, you know, coaching a team's a bit like being in a marriage, mate. You need commitment from both sides. And, you know, I was committed to change the team. Rugby Australia at the moment can't activate the resources, which are both financial and political, to get the change in place to make real change to Australian rugby. Well, sometimes you go in the bank and you blow it up, mate, but you don't come out with the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's, part, that's part of the deal, you know. As we said at the start, we're going to do a smash and grab. So we got the smash. We didn't get the grab, though, mate. The only person you can you can look at in these circumstances is yourself. Did you do the job as well as you could? Well, I, I was 100% committed. And the only thing that's probably disappointed me is the media trying to create a situation where they're trying to make out I haven't been committed to the job. Let's be completely honest. I've got no job to go to. I've got no job offer. That's never been the case now. You can... You can run all those sort of stories and run whatever you want, but my commitment to Australian rugby has been absolutely 100%. That was Eddie Jones, I think, speaking to Danny Wilder from Channel 9. Those clips, I think, surfaced late last night. Now, didn't they? Now, in the last half an hour, um, concrete news. Official statement made by Rugby Australia. Rugby Australia can confirm that it has accepted the resignation of Wallabies head coach Eddie Jones and he will depart the position on the 25th of November. We thank Eddie for his commitment to the Wallabies in 2023 and wish him the best in his future endeavours. Announcements regarding the future Wallabies coaching staff will be made in due course. All right, that is the very latest from Rugby Australia after Eddie Jones has announced that he has uh, resigned his position. Uh, who will be the next coach? It seems Stephen Larkham is firming as the favourite there. Uh, an absolute superstar in his playing days. Uh, a World Cup winner. And of course had great success as a player with the Brumbies. And has uh, done a pretty decent job um, as a coach. You're shaking your head, Louis? Oh, no, I'm taking my head at some of these texts that are coming in. No, we'll deal with Eddie with uh, Christy in just a second. I just read a text here. The Artie Savia turnover, Dan, was egregious. No, it wasn't. I disagree. It was, a, it was on reflection, a, a call that he got wrong. But how many breakdown penalties could go either way? That, how many have you seen in your life? Are they all egregious? Is it because it was a World Cup final that was an egregious? And here's the thing. He didn't apologize and admit he got it wrong. Do you have the clip? People have so misinterpreted this. He's not apologising for making a mistake. He, he doesn't apologise, does he? No. He doesn't. He just says, I didn't see it on the screen, um, I thought your arms, uh, you know, weren't clear for long enough. He actually explains why he gave it a penalty. I, I don't think he apologised. I don't know how this has come into the narrative. Why? Because I think, I think it was called on TV as such. Um. Go listen, go listen back to it. I, I don't hear an apology. And yeah, any breakdown penalty is not egregious. The one I'm really annoyed with, with is to Beth. Should have gone to the bin, right? Four on two, down that short side, lazy running, ball gets passed into him. That's the one I'm like, oh, come on, like, that's a yellow card, right? That's a yellow card? He uh, says... He's not alone. Uh, Ken writes, uh, disagree, Barnes made at least five bad calls. He had a shocker, just like the other, his other three mates, writes Ken. Okay, Ken... I, Ken, if you can outline the five of them, I, I, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. Anyway, let's uh, get uh, to our guest who's probably chuckling it away. Going, Imagine that. New Zealand, New Zealand rugby fans complaining about referees after um, um, they have lost a rugby game. It's been quite a story, not only in Australia but around the rugby world, that of Eddie Jones. 
boy, oh boy, in a short period of time, he has left us with verses and verses and chapters and chapters of uh, angles after Dave Rennie was unceremoniously dumped with one year left on his deal. Eddie Jones gave it a long-term deal. He was the long-term answer. Well, he didn't even see out the first year. Christy Doran joins us, who's been uh, part of the Australian Media Pack, doing a brilliant job in uh, France. He's still there, unlike his team. He stayed up very late for us, and we are thrilled to have the rugby editor at the Raw join the programme. Welcome back to SCNZ. How you doing, mate? Bonjour. Are you, have you got a full French accent? You've been there that long. Oh, embarrassingly, I don't. Uh, but I can tell you, I am the, the last Aussie journey here, and have been for a little while. It's been an incredibly disappointing tour from a, an Australian perspective, but you've actually got to tip your hat and to go, what a World Cup it was. That, that quarterfinal weekend, the final that we saw, and, and I know that you guys have been talking about the refereeing. I think at the end of the day, yes, there was one or two decisions that perhaps you didn't get the rub of the green, but I also think that New Zealand just didn't execute their skills and that South Africa's defence, in fact, won out against New Zealand's attack and and I think that should be the overall kind of assessment of the of the World Cup final. I'm going to throw out some numbers, Christy, just to just to bore you, and hopefully this gets through to our listeners. 63 minutes <laughs> is the first number. 63 minutes is the amount of time that we uh, were down to 14 men. One's debatable. That was 10 minutes. Uh, there was a mistake made by a New Zealander that led to a red card. It's a red card under the laws. Um, 18 turnovers by the All Blacks, compared to 8-2 South Africa. Um, that's four times as many as they had against Ireland. And there were twice as many bad passes from the All Blacks and in, in, uh, in 100 fewer passes than they made against Ireland. But hey, uh, accepting our own responsibility for things can be difficult. Um, now that I've got that off my chest, let's get to Eddie Jones. My <laughs> Lord. Scorched earth policy. He has torched Australian rugby from my vantage point. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he will be. Uh, his his tar- his reputation will be forever tarnished in Australian rugby, and that's the really disappointing aspect. Because when he came home, I, I would say of the playing population, with with the exception of perhaps Queensland rugby, where he didn't have a great year in, in two thousand and seven, and there were a lot of scars and demons from those. And uh, the former Wallabies coach John Connolly wasn't a huge fan from the outset; didn't support the decision, and his contemporaries didn't either. But with the exception of them, it was a decision that was supported, that was backed, that was celebrated for the first few months. But it has just, uh, it it is capitulated in the most depressing way possible for Australian rugby, which has already struggled for a long time. We've got to remember that the Wallabies had won at 40% since 2016. And that's a Michael Shecker issue turned into a Dave Rennie issue. And it's nosedived even worse under Eddie Jones, and the fact that he's left, that he's walked out, that he's decided, you know what, I'm going to wave the white flag because a couple of promises weren't met. It's it's extremely disappointing from a, an Australian rugby perspective that could have further ramifications in the next year or two if, if Rugby Australia are unable to get a, a bigger broadcast deal, which is now uh, off the back of missing the quarterfinals. You have to say that it's in some form of doubt. Those decisions to walk away. Um, we just played some clips. Um, he he noted, and I've written them down, so hopefully I, I get them correct. He says Rugby Australia hasn't been able to activate resources, both financially mm. and politically, to get the changes he wants. What on earth is he talking about? 
I can actually see where he's coming from there because it was actually written in his contract. He came back and he was advised by some of very close people to him that were based in Australia that he had known for 30 years who warned him about not taking this job because they didn't think that Rugby Australia was equipped financially and structurally to be able to deal with an Eddie Jones that's been working in 30 years of high performance and it seems, uh, if, if, you, if you don't know that detail, if you don't know the idea that Hamish McLennan, the contract had, that particular measures, i.e. that there would be national contracting, that he'd be able to oversee a high performance program from, from the Wallabies and be able to go into super rugby camps uh, whenever he wants and say this needs to occur. Uh, if he, he thought there was going to be two to $250 million Australian injected into the Rugby Australia landscape. None of that's occurred and that was a, a crystally clear put into his contract and if those measures weren't there, he could decide at the end of his first year whether or not he wants to continue. So that's some of the context around why. Right. I still think it's poor form that he's left uh, and, and I thought he was the right person to come back but it does not reflect well on him at all. I, I don't know how he shows his face in Australian rugby circles. Um, are you guys more forgiving than I am? <laughs> oh, I can tell you that there were some very high Rugby Australia officials that said more than a fortnight ago that if he was to leave and join Japan, that his passport should be cut up and he shouldn't be allowed in the, back in Australia. And I, I feel like that would be the wider sentiment there's anger, there's disappointment, there's, uh, you know, how he's kind of some of his unnecessary comments towards Michael Hooper and Bernard Foley, Quade Cooper over the last couple of weeks. I actually supported a number of those guys missing out and and I think he wasn't wrong to leave them out. But I don't think you necessarily need to tarnish their names, but also I think his name, he was clearly trying to make a point that there needed to be an overhaul, a generational overhaul, but he didn't necessarily need to, to slam the door out on, on the way out, which is what he's done. And it's going to make for a fascinating next week with Michael Hooper just arriving the last 24 hours in, in the United Kingdom. And Eddie Jones is going to be alongside Scott Razor-Robinson leading a Barbarians match with Michael Hooper's playing in. And they're coming up against a Welsh side, which is farewelling the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones and Lee Huffin. He also he had another crack at Hooper last week, didn't he? Which I just thought was so unnecessary and petty. Oh, absolutely. And to, to be fair to Michael Hooper, he's shown a huge amount of class and dignity over the last few weeks, months. He could have really uh, fired a few shots back. He could have... Uh, and he would have been probably entitled to. This is the most capped Wallabies captain of all time. Now, I, I actually thought that the comparison that, that, that Eddie said regarding no one liked Wally Lewis when Wayne Bennett let him go, but there's a fair amount of truth there. Michael Hooper struggled for more than 12 months. He was steamrolled in the first month, uh, minute of the game in the second test in Brisbane with Alan Gens just running over the top of him. He obviously withdrew from... Rugby less than a month later and had a period out. He was poor throughout the Super Rugby campaign, yet somehow won the, the Matthew Burke Cup as the Waratahs Player of the Year. 
And then he struggled in his one and only test this year in Pretoria where three or four times he was attacked first phase from line-out set piece and, and for once he lost the contact battle. And that showed that Eddie Jones wasn't wrong to farewell some of these players, but he didn't necessarily need to, to say that the comments that he's done uh, didn't show any class. It showed a lack of humility and respect for some guys that have dedicated 10, 15 years of, of their lives, half their lives, to Australian rugby. Crazy stuff. All right. Um, play a game with me. You're a bidding man. <laughs> uh, what odds are you sitting on Eddie Jones being the Japanese head coach? I've been hearing for, for more than a fortnight, probably three weeks, that the Japanese players, they were about to roll Eddie Jones before that South Africa game in 2015. That saved it. That, that put him on the pedestal. And before then, they were fed up with him. They didn't like how he spoke to them, addressed to them. And that feeling still exists in Japanese rugby. Uh, there, there's a strong element of me that thinks, I don't know if it'll be allowed. Now, the events of the last six weeks perhaps even make it uh, less likely for Daddy to, to walk up there. He's humiliated not just Australian rugby, but a partnership deal that not only New Zealand now has with, with Japan, but Australia has. Uh, Franz Ledecky, who, who led the, the Bulls to the Super Rugby title in, in 2009 and 10, he's someone that oh, I've, I've heard is a real front runner. Oh, we know that Scott McLeod has been spoken about in recent uh, weeks as as a potential option, uh, uh, and and I think that it's not there's no foregone conclusion. It could be a 50% sort of chance. He's he's very close to the, the Japanese president, has been for for 25 years through their Suntory relationship. Uh, but it's it's a it's a watch this space one, and we'll probably hear about that. I think in about a month's time. Yeah, interesting. I just yeah, I just don't know why he would go there now, considering what's going to happen back home, and, you know, why would Japan want him in the first place, uh, considering well, what's happened? The, the, other aspect, yeah, carry on. the other aspect you've got to understand there is that, that, that Eddie's wife has been based in Japan for a while. His daughter is based and has lived in Japan for a couple of years now. Yes. Uh, his mother's getting very elderly. So you can understand how he left. They created a movie after Eddie from, from what he achieved at Brighton, and so there is context there. It is an understanding that this guy is still deeply well regarded as a coach. And, and even the Wallabies, a, a number of the Wallabies thought he was a, a very good coach this year. They liked the fact that they felt that he was empowered them, encouraged them. They understood what he tried to do, but he, as he yeah. himself said, bit off more than he could chew. Hamish McLennan, um, digging his toes in. He's staying, um, the, the chairman. Is he right in not stepping down? I think his suggestion was it would create more chaos. It's a good question. And and I spoke to Hamish less than 24 hours ago. He's, he's on a flight back to Sydney today. Um, he's been come under criticism for staying in Paris and in France for longer than the Wallabies. We've also got to understand that they've had World Rugby events. We know that the Nations Cup Championship, we know that... Uh, uh, the decision for the World Cup in 27 to be delayed by two weeks to allow for some clean air. Those sorts of factors have to be kind of thought about before we go, Hamish, what are you doing still in France? He made, a, uh, in hindsight, 
uh, it's blown up in his face, this decision. This is the decision that could end his career, uh, his tenure as chairman where he came in in 2020. I still think that he's got a bit to offer. I know that New Zealand Rugby, perhaps other unions, I know that Queensland Reds, and certainly the ACT Brumbies, aren't thrilled with how Hamish has handled himself at times. I He's got support from New South Wales. He's got support from Victoria. He's a guy that is kind of lived by the sword. Perhaps he would die by the sword. He's been bullish. He's made decisive decisions. He's managed to get more money from New Zealand rugby because of the poor broadcast deal from the, the back of Raylan Castle's kind of tenure in, in 2020, which exploded itself. So I, 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 I appreciate the fact that he's tried to usher through reform, but he's got a very bumpy next month to, to ride. Who's the next Wallabies coach? Is it Stephen Larkham, or do they make a call to a, another former Brumbies coach, say Dan McKellar, of the like? Or who are the options? I think there's only three Australian options, perhaps four if Simon Morale-Louis was to turn down a job. And uh, But I think the most obvious candidate uh, is Dan McKellar. He's well-respected. He's uh, built a program. His assistant coaches thought he was fantastic. That's not always been the case with Stephen Larkham. Um, Bernie Larkin was well-liked as a Wallabies assistant, but perhaps didn't quite get the runs from the board throughout his, his quite his long tenure as Brumby's coach. He didn't come out of his stint with Munster with a great reputation, but his communication, I think, has improved. Uh, Michael Checker's the really interesting one, I think, in this, because uh, he's obviously managed to lead Argentina into a semi-final. Uh, they came very close to winning that bronze medal at the Stade de France just a couple of days ago. He's fantastic, generally speaking, in an 18 months to 24 months kind of rebuilding. Uh, he, he knows his experience. He's, he's been a world rugby coach of the year. But off the back of the uh, destabilising nature of Eddie Jones, would you want to return to a Michael Checker? And I'm not sure. You've still got some enemies from his days in 2018, 19. It was a really tumultuous period in Australian rugby, which he was part of only four or five years ago. So for that reason, I think a more steady influence like a Dan McKellar, who, as I reported in the last 24 hours, has the ability to get out of his contract with Leicester Tigers, I think yep. he would be the most astute decision at the moment. He spent a couple of years with Dave Rennie's assistant, uh, and he's a strong-minded individual who's all about uh, culture, respect, good game style. Um, yeah, I'd put my money to Dan McKellar. Christy, thanks so much, mate. I know it's been a really busy time uh, for you. I could be even uh, busier since the team got eliminated. Crazy times, for sure. Uh, the story's not yet complete. There's still a few chapters to be uh, revealed, so we might uh, touch base with you. But travel safe. Enjoy the flight home, and uh, can't wait to catch up with you again. Thanks very much, Chief. Our pleasure. That is Christy Doran from The Raw. He is rugby editor at The Raw. Hey, Louis. It's hiring a Dan Mick. What can you get? What can go wrong with that? Just hire a Dan Mick. All things work out, right? Next Wallabies coach. Dan Rock McCallum. solid stepping into Rock. Smithy's breach. Absolutely, you've been, you've done a great job. So, uh, and you know that's not comparing Ian Smith to Eddie Jones at all. Actually, uh, Ian Smith, one of the well-known Eddie Jones haters out there. Smithy absolutely can't stand the way he's conducted himself. So you and him have that in common. And 
Uh, I just the the way he's torched the place on the way out. You know, it's 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 actually hard. I completely agree with your sentiment. It's hard to even imagine Japan could even entertain the thought. Inter- even entertain the thought rationally. I mean, somebody needs to get in there and take the steering wheel off the the president if that's the way he's going. Just get in there and rip it out of his hands. No, thank you. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, jobs for the boys. Oh, he's a mate of mine. I'll give it to him. Charlie writes, Michael Hooper, class is permanent on and off the field in the top echelon of loose forwards in rugby. Eddie Jones, a joke. Thank you very much, uh, Charlie. We'll get to more of your messages after the break. It's 23 minutes after 11.